I to the V. E. And we had bumper music. Yes, we did. Can and you believe that? You know what dance I was doing? What were you doing? The dance I do for my son to make him laugh. <laughs> do this. And he laughs at that? Every time. Every time. Every stinking time. I, I feel good that like there's something I can do consistently to make people laugh. You know? Hey, you welcome. Do, you do lots of things to make me laugh. But consistently. They're not, they're not you know, intentional most of the time, and, <laughs> but that's okay. Oh, oh wow. it is so good to be back, Ooh, ladies man, and gentlemen. It is good to be here tonight. Yep, I'm going to share this while we've only got a few viewers, but if you're watching already... Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We were having a conversation beforehand. Oh, this could go a lot of ways. It could go a lot of ways, because <laughs> we've been here for an hour. <laughs> Just going time. Yep. And we don't want to start right away, anyway. So, we were talking about Christmas movies. Yes. Our favorite Christmas movies. Yep. So, in the chat, why don't you let us know what your favorite Christmas mu movie is, and... That's a good. That's a good brain teaser. Let us know in the chat what is your favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, because um, we we listed some of ours. Yep. And I'm going to see if one of them comes up, and I want to comment on it. Okay. See if anybody says anything. Susan about Keys, it. all twinsies. All twinsies. Yeah. Susan, that, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about we that. We got to wait till there's more than four people here. Yeah. Because this is worth, um, worth the. Uh, Kevin Gray's here. The View. Kevin Gray. Hey, what's your Kevin? Kevin what's your you, What's your favorite Christmas movie? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, see? Really? I, 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 I understand that, but it's not one of my favorites. Matter what fact, is it? I've heard a lot of good things about it. You don't like it? I thought you said you watched it. This is Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. There, what's the subtitle? Na National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with yeah. Chevy Chase. I know. I've heard a lot of good things about it, I but I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, Gosh, you, you just like really just... <laughs> He's over here like... I've still heard a lot of good things about it. No, you... Okay, I thought you said you didn't watch it. That you heard a lot of good things about it. Just Christmas now. Christmas Vacation? No, I've watched it. <laughs> and you didn't like it? I didn't. I didn't care for it either. Yeah, I... I mean, I think it's okay. And there's some funny farts. But that there's funny some funny part. farts. That's funny. <laughs> this is going to be a long yep. night. This is going to uh, be a very long night. Brad... There's some funny parts to it. Yep. Kevin you is don't saying want to mix those two words up there. <laughs> that's a good that's a good pun. Uh Kevin is saying your favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. Oh, I love Die Hard. Yeah, but is it your favorite Christmas movie? It, it is a great Christmas movie. Uh Susan, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Susan Keys. Um No, my my favorite Christmas movie is Elf. Yep. That's mine too. Yeah. Sorry. Or Christmas shoes. I like both of them. How did you really watch Christmas Sir, shoes? I want to buy. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Susan says it's a wonderful life. That oh, is Marissa's you know, you top know what? three. Probably. Barb loves those old movies. Mm -hmm. I can't so stand to watch them. Yeah, I really can't. Becky watches. Becky's Miracle probably Thirty Fourth Street. Yep, dumbest movie I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's probably been out for what and 30 that, years and then there's years? the one the only one i can kind of tolerate that barb likes is the one with the army movie with danny k toy story <laughs> <laughs> oh man if you're just tuning in let us know in the oh, chat what's your man. favorite christmas movie we're gonna get started in one minute one minute um Anyway, uh, it's a it's, it's a wonderful life. Is that is that the one, Susan? No, it's a wonderful life. Is Susan's favorite? I, oh, that's your favorite. What's, yeah. What's the, what's the one with the what? Yeah, where they, they sing White Christmas. What is, is it, it called? White Bruce? Christmas? No, I don't no, know it's, it's, anything about Christmas movies. Someone needs to know this. Well, well right now, why is got, no one answering us? Because we have three people watching. 
<laughs> I can't imagine why they don't have that many viewers. Uh, Susan says Elf is your favorite. White, I imagine if they sing the song White Christmas in it. It is White Christmas? You yep. looked it up? It's, Bruce says it's White Christmas. Yeah. So uh, We're up to five now. Hey, if you're just tuning in, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, <laughs> we both said Elf. We did both say okay, Elf. What's your favorite thing about Elf? The, like, why is it your favorite? Is, you know what? I can tell you what's not my favorite. Okay, that wasn't that. the question, know, but carry but on. But there's one part in this movie that I actually have to turn away from every time it happens. And I've seen this movie a lot. Is it the shower scene? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Definitely not. <laughs> when he picks the gum off the bottom of the railing and puts it in his mouth, I want to... Oh, uh, that, that's disgusting. That, he actually did that in New York City. He just walked around randomly. Seriously. And put random... Yes, that is... But this was pre-COVID, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I can't watch yeah. that. Ryan Yarian said, we aren't going to answer because we're going to miss your faces. Next year is a long time. And then two seconds later, my favorite movie, though, is Rudolph. <laughs> I like he sticks to his principles. I know. You didn't even last a minute, Ryan, before you commented something else. Oh, man. Hey, uh, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, right. well, welcome, everybody. Generationally speaking, my name's Brad, the resident boomer here at Crossbridge. And this is my good friend and little speaking buddy partner. <laughs> person whoever you are George why am i always George. little <laughs> wait till sunday oh i can't wait <laughs> and hey. resident millennial here oh, and you're joining us with generation speaking you better take over from here yep this is gonna go on are you gonna do it yeah this is season three bang Episode 7. Look at you. Hey, welcome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to Season 3, Episode 7. Susan, good to see you. Ryan, good to see you. Kevin, always a pleasure to see you as well. And then anyone else, if you're in the chat, let us know so we can say hello. But tonight, it is the last podcast of the of year, 2021. But don't worry, we'll be back. We will be back. Actually, we're going to be back better than ever. And more. And more. And more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so starting in 2022, we are the first two Thursdays of the month are going to be our serious nights. And then the fourth Thursday of the month will be a game night. It's going to be fun. And so we wanted to do a mixture of both, but we didn't want to take away from our serious nights because they've been going really they've well. They've been going great. And the response has been awesome. The ministry has been great. And the questions we've gotten has been incredible. But we also recognize the benefit to a fun game night. So we're going to end the month with that. Uh, tonight, though, for the last podcast of the night, we're kind of our Christmas edition of um, Generationally Speaking. Yep. We're going to talk about this question. Is Jesus the true Messiah? Is Jesus the true Messiah? And this is um, this is the question, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, Christ follower, whether you are millennial, Gen Z, boomer, anybody, this is a question you have you to have wrestle to answer. with. Because mm -hmm. if Jesus is the true Messiah, it has revolutionary impact whether you believe or don't believe. And so we're going to talk about it tonight. We are going to walk through things like what does Messiah mean? You might hear that word and not have really any idea what the Messiah means. We're going to talk about our generational responses, see some of the data of what different generations say and all that fun stuff. Is Jesus the Messiah? We're going to look at evidence to support um, our belief as a church and our belief as Christ followers. And then kind of give a little tease for Christmas Eve. There you go. So yeah. Hey, Brad, why Shall don't you define in? Messiah? Let's awesome. do it. I'm just going to read it right off the page. I think that's probably best. Okay, very good. Uh, the promised deliverer, the Messiah is the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. You have to really emphasize the er, or else it's just the deliver. promised deliver. Yeah, deliverer. Yeah. The promised deliverer of the Jewish nation and ultimately the entire world as prophesied in the Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. uh, which is the what we would consider the Old Testament. Old Testament. Um, and they basically had the, the first five books 
Yep. Of, of the Bible is what they really, really went on. What they studied and all that fun and stuff. And all that good stuff. And they knew that there was a deliverer coming. So they had waited for for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Just to give a little bit of history. So what you have happen is in Genesis, you have a lot of different stories and promises and covenants between God and Abraham and then God and his people, God and Noah. Just a covenant is a promise, you know, that God makes, you know, with humanity. Right. Right. And so at the very end of Genesis, Joseph becomes right Pharaoh of Egypt or a leader, a, a really prominent leader uh, in a Egypt. Prominent leader. And yeah. all of his family and their inheritance and everything, they come and basically stay in Egypt and outside of Egypt. Um, where they started to grow so big, after Joseph died, the Pharaoh became threatened by them. And so he enslaves them. And that's where we have Exodus. And God comes in. And restores Israel, kind of saves Israel the first time. And then after the Exodus, he promises them a savior. But then, as you said, there's hundreds and hundreds of years of of going back and forth between sin and idolatry and getting into the promised land and all of that fun stuff. Well, eventually you get to a place where there's, I think, 450 years of silence. 500. 500 years of silence between Malachi, um, and, Malachi and the and, New and, Testament. And, correct. And then a savior is born, exactly. a messiah is born, which exactly. was a deliverer that was prophesied. Yeah, and, and they promised. and they actually thought thought um, that this was going to be in, in form of a king, right? Uh, uh, because uh, that's all they saw. Exactly, all you of know, their they, Israel. They thought it was going to be a government kind of takeover type of deal. And yep. and the other thing you, you talked about there was covenant. And here's the the other thing that's very interesting. And I don't know how far we'll go tonight about this, but. Uh, there was even covenants between people at that time. Also, yep. they would make covenants, and they, they would grab some animals, contracts, and, and, what have you. and, and, and there was always fire, blood, blood, and they, they would step they, over. It, it was a weird situation. It was a weird situation, but every time there was a covenant, God would seal it, or people would seal this covenant or contract, whatever it was, with a blood sacrifice. It's kind of like when you spit in your hand and you do a shake, yeah, and you it, got it, some you saliva know, it in it. It's, it's it was their version of that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was their version of saying. I never thought about that. Yeah, but you got the blood situation. It is very disgusting. You got the blood situation. And they make these covenants and these promises, and they're expecting a king, like you said. Right. And they're expecting their king to come in and overthrow. And conquer and overthrow right. the government. And a big part of that was because they saw the line of David with King David, King Solomon, even King Saul. Like and they asked the different for a king. Kings, and they asked and, for a king. And God always told them, you don't want a king. And yep. they said, yes, we want a king. Mm-hmm. And he finally let him go. We're going to actually talk about some of that coming up in a series. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I love that. And so here's um, what we're going to do now is we're going to share, because like we said, this is one of the questions. Is Jesus the true Messiah? You have to wrestle this one to you the ground. You have to wrestle with it. So, Brad, why don't you share yeah. some of the data of what different generations, how they answer that question? This is kind of fascinating, too. 62% of the silent generation believe Jesus was God and the Messiah. So that's older than you. All right? Older than me. Yep. 58% of us baby boomers believe that Jesus was God and the Messiah. 55% of Gen Xers, that's Bruce. Yep. He's, he's giving a little cheer over here. He's running our tech over there. Yeah. 55% of Gen Xers believe that Jesus was God and the Messiah. Mm-hmm. 48% of millennials believe that Jesus was God and the Messiah. Yep. 35% of millennials believe that Jesus was just a spiritual leader. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's interesting. And 17% of millennials aren't sure what Jesus was. Yep. And so when I saw that data and we were you know compiling the information for it, most of between millennial and silent generation, there's only a 14% swing, right. which actually was 
a smaller swing than I expected. Yeah, it, but in in swing wise, that that's huge. Is it? Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't work with numbers very well. Yeah, it, it, any kind it, polling, what have you. I mean, that that's a huge mm. jump. So then, well, what really fascinated me is the second half of the data. With thirty five percent of millennials think that Jesus was just a spiritual being. And it, yeah, and it goes back to you know I believe that your generation you know thinks well there's there's several ways to God and what have you. And right. that's another podcast. But, right. But yeah. And then, I think that plays into that. And then 17% of millennials aren't sure what or who Jesus was. Yeah. And I, they actually use the word what because some of them, like I said, don't even think there's a group of people who don't you know, think Jesus even existed. And so it was more of just a figure or a being kind of like Buddha, um, just like something that was idolized or right. worshipped or right. whatnot. So, so then you've got all of this data, okay? The crazy thing about this and the data that what you see is this isn't a new question, Okay, is Jesus the true Messiah? Right. Not a new question. Okay. Even from it, the time uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, even from the time Jesus was eight days old Absolutely. and brought to the temple. Absolutely. And that's part of a, a little bit of what I'm gonna talk this about. This was something that, that everyone, even when Jesus was alive and walking on the earth, yep. had again had to wrestle with. Yep. And is this the guy we're going to follow? And this is the guy and part of the issue that they had was because they were expecting someone different. Right. It just didn't fit the mold who they thought right. was going to come as the Messiah. Yep, he was the exact opposite. Exact they expected opposite. someone to be powerful and rich and and and, and a conqueror, violent and conquering, and he, <laughs> he came poor and through the line of a prostitute and the line of yep. um, a shepherd boy mm-hmm. and his father was a carpenter and mother was a sixteen-year-old virgin who you know, was pretty much condemned by society. Crazy yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a new question. In fact, Jesus asks his question, this exact question to the disciples. And I just wanted to read it. It's Matthew 16, verse 13 through 15. This is what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, who was his cousin, Others say Elijah, who was a famous prophet, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And I love that question. A couple fascinating things about this is, you know, Jesus is asking this question to his 12. Yep. And almost putting them on the spot. But there had to be so much conversation going around of who this Jesus was because of what was happening, what was going on in the culture, what was happening in that that community, the miracles, the things that that was going on, is that there's talk about who this Jesus was. There was such an uproar about what was happening. Yep, all across. And so a question I just want to ask the chat as we're transitioning to what we believe and uh, why we believe what we believe at church is, if you feel comfortable, let us know. Have you ever wrestled with the question? Is Jesus the true Messiah? Let us know in the chat. It could be a yes. It could be a no. It could be sometimes because this is honestly one of the things that I come back to often. Because this is a question that Jesus asked his disciples. Yep. And I believe he would ask us the same thing because that's the basis. Who and do you say I am? Who do you say oh, I, love I am? I love and, that. And we, each one of us has to take that and say, okay, who do I think Jesus was? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have to answer that to 
You have to wrestle with it. Exactly. And especially in the age of digital and the age of what we've talked about, post-Christianity and different things becoming available and the different things becoming constructed or like we talked about last podcast, faith deconstruction. What is, how does Jesus play a role in that? Right. So is Jesus the true Messiah? We believe at Crossbridge he is. Jesus was the Messiah. Spoiler alert in case you didn't know. Brad, why don't you share, and we'll walk through a couple of these. Why do we believe Jesus is the true Messiah? Yeah, let's, let's, here's the interesting thing. And, and I think we'll get into some stats and, and what have you a little bit and, and some other resources. But from a generationally aspect, okay, mm. my generation would say, well, we believe Jesus is the Messiah because the Bible says so. Right. And you would stop there. That's it. Yep. My generation would say, that's baloney. <laughs> <laughs> but why? You yeah, know, we'd ask yeah. the question, well, how? But because the Bible says so. But how? Well, it doesn't matter because that's what the Bible says. Right. And so that's where you have a lot of the tension. Is <laughs> exactly. Yours would take it for face value. Exactly. And mine would say, okay, but have you looked at the face from this angle? Yeah. And we'd you know, say, have you valued we, don't, the we don't need to look at it from any other what angle. What if you took off the makeup? You know, like different <laughs> yeah, things. Exactly. And, that, and that's, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we do this mm-hmm. is because of that. But that's, yep. understand, and, and there's probably some boomers that will listen to this or what have you say, what? Well, what are you talking about? We don't need anything more. The, the B-I-B-L-E. It, 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 right? Is the book for me. The, book you for know? Me. the yep. Bible says it. I believe it. That yep. settles it. Yep. And we don't need to discuss this anymore. Yeah. Which is, as we talked a few podcasts ago, is one of the reasons why millennials and Gen Zs and, and, and things are saying, you know what? what we, I, I, not only, I don't know if it's necessarily we have to be convinced. I think that's a big part of it. I think, think evidence and logic is a big part of the millennial generation. It means a lot. And science is a big part of that. Sure. And so a lot of my friends will say, prove to me that Jesus exists. Right, right. Uh, Susan Keys, haven't thought this deep about him before now. And that's why we're doing it tonight. And that's why we're talking about is Jesus the true Messiah. But my generation will ask the question. Right. Okay, we'll make it make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Like, if you're telling me Jesus, if you're just telling me to look at the Bible, Okay, well, what about all of the different violent things that happened in the... Like, let's talk about... And we're like, well, yeah, but the Bible... Okay, well, I don't like that the Bible does right. A, B, C, and D. Right, right. But there... And, and, and pointing back to the Bible, and, we're, and you can go into some of the, the other things we're talking about, but there's, there's all kinds of prophecies. I think you said, yep. what, 351? Yeah, so one of the reasons why we believe Jesus is the Messiah. First, um, we believe Jesus is the Messiah... Because of the testimonial accounts, okay, we'll talk about that in depth a little bit more. Yeah. Second thing that you're talking about now is Jesus fulfilled at least 351 of the over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament. Right. About the Messiah. Exactly. About Jesus. Yeah. And those things, those connections, I wanted to get Bruce a picture. I forgot about it. Have you seen the picture of the different yes. rainbow archways? Unbelievable. Of the, Google you know, that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you do that, but yeah. Google it. On your own time, if you literally <laughs> just type in Google, let me see if it will work. If you just type in Google, um, rainbow archway <laughs> connections in the Bible. This picture is so fascinating. Let's see. God, is there any way that Bruce can put, get that up, you think? Uh, what, 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 you think he's going to even give it a shot? Eh, probably not. Oh, uh, look at it. Do you it. have the photo? Because I typed in rainbow archway. It didn't work. There Did it pull up a rainbow archway looking thing? Okay, perfect. If Bruce can show this, I'm not sure if he's able to right now. Are you able to now? 
All right, we're going to give them a minute, minute. Anyway, what this picture will show is it's going to show every time that there was an inner linear, you know, connection between one text to, to the to other text. text. Yes. And so aside from Jesus fulfilling 351 of the prophecies, you've got the Bible connecting All left and of. right. But but here's the issue with that, especially with younger generations, is yep. that you're still you're proving you're proving the Bible with the Bible. Right. Okay. Right. And so, here's where, to me, it gets fascinating. It's a little spicy. <laughs> yes, exactly. So go ahead. Talk about this. Wait, but you literally just said, here's where, to me, it gets spicy, and then you're going to throw it to me? You want me to talk about the fourth one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Historically, <laughs> from a historical standpoint, we know that Jesus was a real person outside of the Bible, and here's why. Because there's multiple secular accounts who are quoting- In that generation. In that generation, quoting- or referencing Jesus it's vi- as a human. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. I've read some of these things, mm-hmm. um, some of the authors here. Uh, Josephus, Josephus is a big one. Fifth century historian. Historian. Who used and quoted and talked these about These are Jesus. historians who, you know, yep. their only communication was writing down history and, and what was happening and things like that. Yep. So this is outside scripture. Yep. Okay. And, and, and so Then there's Josephus, another one. Uh, it's a first century Roman senator yep. named Tacitus yes. or Tacticus. Yeah. Okay. He also, same thing. He was also a historian yep. for Rome and quoted, referenced Jesus. And and I would and again, I've read parts of, of these things. I haven't read the whole books entirely because they're too hard for me to read, you know, and <laughs> like the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you know, here are these guys, and it's very difficult for anyone. Yep. Atheist or even if, if people don't believe that Jesus was who he said he was, it's very it is very difficult to say that Jesus did not exist. Yep. There was a person who did all kinds of amazing things that disrupted society yep. back in the first century. From a historical from standpoint. From a historical there was standpoint, a real human you, can't, you cannot argue that Jesus mm-hmm. was a fictional character. Yep. Secular and Christian both have both sources. Absolutely. Okay? Here's this picture, Bruce, if you want to throw it up on the screen. This is the if picture. We had a TV, we could see it. I know. This <laughs> is the picture that we wanted to show that shows mm. now you've got the 350 prophecies. You've got historians that are secular, don't even believe in God, right. saying Jesus is existing. Then you look at the Bible as a whole. And you see this picture, every single line, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to our podcast, you don't get to see it, unfortunately. Every single line represents a connection point between two verses in the Bible. I think, Bruce, it did say in the image description how many connections there were. I think it's like over 2,000 or something lines that are on this photo. 63,000. That's over 2,000. Yeah, over (laughs) 2,000. Man, it just keeps getting spicier and spicier. So, So, yeah, so... The four, four, three or four reasons why we just, again, very simply why we believe Jesus was the Messiah. Then we're going to break it down even further. First, we believe Jesus is the Messiah because of the testimonial accounts. Now, this is huge, and this is what we're going to talk about in a second yeah. a little bit further. Yeah, I want to go farther into that. Because of the testimonial to, accounts. To me, and, and I think I've preached on this, actually, this is what has has convinced, and no matter what, yep. has made this a solid fact for me. Yep. Okay, so go ahead. And so by testimony accounts, we mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then really Luke, who wrote then Acts, and then Paul, and all those fun stuff in the letters, okay? Second reason, Jesus fulfilled at least 351 of the prophecies from the Old Testament as the Messiah, Mm -hmm. okay? 
Then the third reason, historically, we know that Jesus was a real person outside of the Bible from multiple historians, okay? And then the fourth reason we would say is there's over 63,000 connections in the Bible. So then the question you have to wrestle with is, if we're going to use the Bible, okay, as one of, just one of our, um, one of our sources of evidence for Christ, can we actually trust the Bible? Because that's the next question that people wrestle with. Well, if you're going to say that the testimonial accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we only know about them really because they come from the Bible, Jordan. Yeah. So can we trust the Bible? But uh, here's the other thing you've got to understand. Again, these are also manuscripts. Yep. Okay. And and the reason we have a Bible is because someone, somewhere, Mm. put them all together. Yep. Okay. But 300 AD, I think, was the first time that the Bible was all put together as one. But these are individual accounts of individual people who wrote down at different decades apart all, some of them I, I you know and again I should have researched this how many different writers in how many different languages mm-hmm. of all this this was not someone right sitting down and and writing a book right this wasn't one person this was not one person copying things from the old testament no so and that's even one of the reasons why you know and and this will be a touchy subject for some people is why there's some different accounts and and you can find we'll call them discrepancies and some of the of uh, some of the writings. Yeah, especially if you're looking at the gospels because at the they very are end. they are different people writing their accounts of what is happening and, and how they're and how they're trying to communicate what they what they have saw and yep. experienced. Yep. And so you've got this situation where you're wrestling with, okay, first of all, is Jesus the true Messiah? We say yes. One of the few reasons, one of the many reasons why we believe that is because there's testimonial accounts inside the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of people who saw the events happen. So then the next question that people ask is, okay, well, how do we know those are true? And this is when it gets like, we're talking like buffalo sauce spicy. (laughs) Before it was just like chicken nugget, McNugget spicy, like what you think is spicy, that sweet and sour sauce. (laughs) Now we're on the buffalo wild wings type level. Yeah. Let me know in the chat if you're still like, you know, somehow paying attention to all of this, because we're talking about food. So then the question, can we trust the gospel? We're going to share four reasons why we believe yes, and this will blow your mind, okay? Reason number one, most biblical and historical scholars believe that the New Testament was finished being written before 100 AD. Correct. Okay? This is crucial because Jesus was believed to have died anywhere between 27 and 30 AD, Mm -hmm. right? The Gospels then, Matthew, or sorry, it, I think it went John, Matthew, Mark was the first one written, and then Matthew, then John, See, this then education Luke, is really paying off for all you. All that fun stuff, yeah. I know. So anyway, you've got this situation. We're starting to be written about 60 AD, okay? It's crucial and so important that we know for a fact that these were all finished by 100 AD because then that proves that the people who are writing them were at least young enough, quote-unquote, to have been able, and as wi- a possibility, to witness the event. Exactly. And and another one of the factors, and Bruce, you can help me with this, because I know you've researched some of this, too, is that seven, about 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. Yep. And, and that's a huge... Huge thing. It was, it was huge back then. I mean, that is historical fact... I mean, outside of Scripture, that... That it happened. That, that actually happened. Which and gospel referenced it? No gospel references exactly. it. Exactly. No gospel reference, mm-hmm. which means the writers, it would have, 
it would have no question have been written down somewhere in those gospel con- contents if it would have happened. Yep. So they wrote this very early because some people will say, you know, you can't trust the Bible. What have you say? This was these were written hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. But that just There's, wasn't true. It wasn't true. They were started. A lot of them believe that those gospel writers started in anywhere from fifty-five to sixty A.D. Right. Started writing before them before the temple was t- torn and down. And then the letters from Paul were even written sooner than that. A lot of people believe they were written before the gospels were written down. Why that is so important, like we said, is because that increases the possibility that the eyewitnesses actually witnessed what was happening. Right. If it was written later on in life, the eyewitness accounts could be thrown away. But non-Christian scholars, secular historians, and Christian historians both agree that the material was written before 180. Exactly. Reason number two. Yeah. There are over 5,000 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament all dating within a few years of the author's life. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. Five, th- And this it's, is part of what you were talking about earlier, about all the different manuscripts. Right. 5,000 and, and, different manuscripts. And other works that we, that we say ha- definitely happen in history and things yep. like that isn't even close to this many manuscripts. Nope. This is one of the, things that we, the New Testament that, and the life and, of Jesus. And again, I'm sorry I didn't research all this, but... But other great, great manuscripts of, of things like Attila the Hun and you know yada yada yep. yada all those things are all saying oh these this is all fact this is all happened with not even close to close this to kind the amount of I mean we're talking a handful of manuscripts yep. not five thousand and so the amount of people that wrote down five thousand just of uh, the Gospels in the New Testament proving once again that the authors of the text were more likely to eyewitness the events because they were just dated within a few years historically, not just the Bible said you won't find that evidence in the Bible. That is historians doing the ancient work. Number three, another line of evidence is the writings of the church fathers. Okay. Clement of Rome sent a letter to the Corinthian church in AD 95. So now we know that someone, one of the church fathers of Rome in AD 95 existed and wrote to the Corinthian church. So the church itself existed, which is a Mm -hmm. Corinthian letters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you've got um, another one. Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, wrote a letter before his martyrdom in Rome in AD 115. So Antioch is another place in Acts that we find the church thriving in that Paul visits multiple times. Actually was, I think, the first place that Christians were called Christians was in Antioch. Okay. And so that's in AD 115 that that language is being used. So we know that Paul's missionary journey actually happened. Um, Polycarp wrote to the Philippians in AD 120. The Philippian church is another letter written by Paul. So now we know that letter actually happened. And then you've got the Gospels and NT letters, Justin Martyr, AD 150, who quotes from John 3. You see, church fathers <laughs> of the early second century were I hadn't, familiar. I hadn't heard that one before. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And so you've got these different fathers with the apostles' writings and quoted them as inspired scripture. Yeah. Within a hundred years of Jesus's life, multiple different things proving that those events happened. Okay. The Corinthian church happened. The Philippian church happened. The Antioch church happened and quoting John chapter three. Okay. This is when it gets even spicier. Now we're talking like hot ones challenge. Like we're talking the hottest wing you can put in your mouth. You're feeling it when you're on the toilet. That hot. No. Okay. Number four. When you include the quotes from the church fathers, the the manuscripts from other early translations like the Latin Vulgate, the Ethiopic text, and others, 
the total amount of ancient manuscripts and quotes and citations about the New Testament and the Gospels is over 24,000 texts. <laughs> it's unbelievable. 24,000 pieces of information, of quotes, of artifacts, of written down things that are proving that the gospel was written when it was written and done like it was done. However, those who accuse the New Testament of being corrupted have never approved, have never provided evidence. Because one of the things that people say is, okay, so people just copied down things. Right. They read it and they copied down. Problem is, there's zero evidence for that. There's no evidence. Like, it's been thousands of years, mm -hmm. and this book that was put together fully in 380 for the first time under the uh, Constantinople era and when Christianity became legal for the first time, 24,000 pieces of evidence showing that it's true and nobody since then has been able to prove it false, okay? Um, the truth is the large number of manuscripts confirm the accurate preservation and transmission of the New Testament writings, which should just blow you away. It should. Okay. So then the last question, Brad. Yeah. So you're hearing all of this. You're like, hey, that sounds great. So obviously the Bible is accurate, is what you can see from that. But there's still one thing that just doesn't make sense. Did the resurrection of Christ actually happen? Exactly. Which is the... Pinnacle. It is the, the groundwork. It is the foundation. It yep. is everything that we believe. If that doesn't happen, nothing we just shared Just matters. as Paul said, if... We preach in vain yep. if the resurrection didn't happen. So our faith is based on this one event. It is not based on anything else, which gets a lot of people of in, in trouble, including of us, Christ. when we say, you know, it's not about the Bible, it's not about this, it's about the resurrection. Yep. Everything either stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. Yep. So if our manuscripts are right, which, you know, obviously we, we believe they are, and here's the deal. And this is going to ruffle maybe some feathers also, because one of the big things is inerrancy of the Bible, inerrancy of Scripture, Scripture's perfect. What does that mean? Well, we're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> but basically, inerrancy, <laughs> you know, it basically says that, that we believe the whole Bible as it is, and, and we can go on rabbit trails, what have you. Right. But, but I would say younger generations would say, well, that's where we start falling apart. I just don't know. Because there's a lot of controversy, there's a lot of errors, a lot of grammatical things. That's what my generation would say. Okay, and, we, and here's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? So there is okay. All right. Here's the deal. If we know that these manuscripts are that, are, are there's so many facts and what have you. We see the lifestyle of these Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, um, Paul, whoever who had interactions with Jesus. Yep. Okay. Here are these guys, and and this is why I hold on to the faith that I have. This to me proves everything. Yep. Is that we hear them as when Jesus gets arrested, they all scatter. Yep. They think it is game. Over when Jesus gets arrested, they think they're done. That they are, and and one is they and think, they write that in their testimonial and, accounts exactly. And they, say, they we out, and they think they're next. Yep, they think that we're going to go. They go get, hide in a room. We're going to go get crucified, just like Jesus is about to get crucified, or did get crucified, and they go into hiding. We out. They, they, they want nothing. They to do want with nothing it. to do with it. The movement is over. They are yep. done. Peter denies Jesus, his best friend, who 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 answered the question that you are the Messiah. Yep. There is no, Who do you say I am? Who, I, Jesus you asks. are the Messiah. You're the one. That, you're the son Holy One God. sent from, from God. You are the Son of God. You are God Himself. Yep. And, and he and denies he, knowing Jesus. And in he the denies courtyard. knowing Jesus three times. Yep. Okay. And so all of these disciples who once believed scattered. They out. Yeah. Exactly. They think it's over. 
Done. Jesus gets killed, and they are and then, crying in the room. And then they see the resurrected Jesus. It's game on. And it is game on. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's goosebumps, mm-hmm. you know. And, and these guys went from, <laughs> they went from scattered, mm-hmm. hiding, thinking they're going to get killed, to going the very same people who crucified Jesus. Going pointing, up to them. Pointing their fingers in their... <laughs> Two, it, second it, acts, like, th- or Acts 2, 36 through 8. Peter says, the resurrected Jesus, whom you, you crucified, crucified, he's calling out the people who, who put him on the tree. Justly convicted and crucified. He has this boldness, this courage. It's, it's unbelievable. Because and why? Because they saw the resurrected because Jesus. Because they saw the resurrected Jesus. There's no other explanation mm-hmm. that they saw this. Mm-hmm. And, and some people will say, well, you know what? They just tried to. No, they no. were all in hiding. We have historical evidence that these people existed, yeah. that this church has existed. And then we have historical evidence outside of Scripture, because I don't think anybody, any Scripture says what actually happened to the, these 12 disciples. Uh, right. Well... Is there, is there anything in the Gospels that, that talk about how they died? Not... Stephen. Yeah. Stephen, well, Stephen is, was martyred. St- Stephen was martyred. Think... He was stoned to death, but I don't think anybody else... If you go into other historical references... Uh, we think that Peter upside down. We believe eleven out of the twelve. Everybody well, besides ten of the twelve, because Judas. Judas, yeah, exactly. Um, that, good point. Uh, John <laughs> was the only one. He was banished to Patmos, yeah. and and we believe he just died there. But everybody else was killed for believing that Jesus was resurrected. They went to the. They died because of their belief that they saw the resurrected Jesus. Completely one eighty. Completely one eighty. They went from being scared in a room, to. It's game on. And John was even boiled in oil. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that'd be the way to go. <laughs> but, Peter was but, crucified but, upside, upside down. down. Uh, some were, Historical were, evidence were showing run, that. Run through spirits, deny Jesus. They would not deny Jesus, so they were, yeah. they were crucified. They, were, they, had, they were, had their heads taken off. It's just a great what, way to go. What other explanation is there? But they only went that way because they believed wholeheartedly and would not stop preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. Exactly. Because they had seen him. So number one. Why do we share the... Here's some of the evidence. Number one, and, and this is outside of that awesome speech you just gave that lasted Sorry, seven minutes, okay? It gets you hyped. It, it is I fascinating it. to me. I, and and, that, and all... that is when I started understanding what these guys did and the transformation of what has happened. Yep. We don't have to talk about inerrancy or anything else. I mean, it is, yep. it's a matter of... There's, there's no question in my mind that this is what happened. Yep. And so, aside from that, number one, evidence for the resurrection is the explosive growth of the Christian movement would not have happened based on rumors. No. You like we said what's going on downstairs? <laughs> <laughs> you you've got you <laughs> Sorry ladies and gentlemen, I'm laughing because can't hear it. Okay, perfect. I'm laughing because there's a lot of like crashing going on downstairs <laughs> with something. Okay. Uh first reason you got the Corinthian church we talked about. Right. Historical evidence. It blew up. Well, literally and And under persecution. And under because, persecution. Because the Jewish uh, rabbi, uh, rabbis and Pharisees and things were doing everything they could to crush the movement yep. that was happening. Philippian church, church in Ephesus, church in Galatia, church in Corinth, church in Philippi, church in Rome, church in Jerusalem. All of these churches and more church in Antioch just blew up and spread. Then you go to Africa and Europe and Middle East and Asia and into the Americas and just keeps on spreading. You've seen other religions. You've seen other movements 
Christianity is the one that has not been able to be proven false. Every other religion has. And is the only one that has spread this rapidly this quick. Right. Okay? So that's how lasted the, the, the Yep. 2000 years. Lasted as long. Second one reason goes to your point. The disciples' lives were immediately changed. Again, they went from, in the Gospels, you'll read it. They went from being scaredy cats to, to uh, Lion King. Yeah. Little, they went from Puma <laughs> <laughs> to being Mufasa. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And uh, wouldn't have happened if it was just hearsay. Okay, number three. This one was kind of inspiring to me, the empty tomb. When you look at the science of tombology, you know, and a tomb, what Jesus was placed in, in the grave and stuff, and what was rolled in front of him weighed up to two tons, mm-hmm. which is what, 4,000 pounds? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but if the men and the disciples and all of them were kind of chilling in the upwards room, even if the women went and they're like, hey, we're going to roll this stone away, there's only three or four of them. I don't think three or four of any gender, any size is going to be able to roll away 4,000 pounds. Okay. So something supernatural happened to this tomb. Okay. And then number four, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus's appearance, which we've already proven accurately. They did happen. The eyewitness accounts happened. Right. They talk about the appearance of Jesus for 40 days after his resurrection. Appeared to over 500 people. 500 people in the book of Acts. Right. And their lives were changed and the church was launched. So is Jesus the true Messiah? The question you have to wrestle with. We can provide the evidence. We can provide the logic. We can provide all of that. What it comes down to really is faith. Yes. Okay. Is you have to make the decision that this is true. Capital T. Okay. Right. So then if it is true, Brad, what does that mean? I think you're going to answer that, aren't you? And I'm going to answer that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to answer that by saying you're going to have to come to Christmas Eve to exactly. find out. Oh, I, the cliffhanger. I'm so hyped. I have the opportunity to preach on Christmas Eve, and I am very honored and privileged to be able to share the message and to be able to talk about the birth of Christ and how it revolutionized the world. But on top of all of that, what we're going to be talking about is um, choosing Jesus and walking through a little bit of this, why? What does this do then? Yeah. Okay. Because if all of this is true, what does that mean? And it goes back to this is the the question that you have to answer. Yep. And and you have to answer about the resurrection. Did it or did it not happen? Yep. It is our faith is based totally on the resurrection of Jesus. Yep. That is the cornerstone of what we believe. And if it happened, dot dot dot. What does it mean? Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, So much fun with this conversation. had a blast researching it, talking about it. I'm being serious. I would love to invite you to come to our Christmas Eve service next Friday, 3 o'clock, 4.30, or 6 o'clock. Come hang out um, because we're going to take this conversation to the next level. But this um, is the last podcast of the year. Yeah. Last podcast of the year. Starting, I think it's January 7th. It's either 6th or 7th, whatever that first Thursday is. Uh, the topic is new year, new me, question mark. We're going to talk a little bit about habits, which is actually what we're talking about. The first, first, first two, yeah, two the weeks 26, of the, the 26th and the second, we're going to be yep. talking about habits. And then we're going to go actually into uh, a series that's actually talking about the new me. Yep. And so we're going to talk about that just on the podcast night. Um, just to kind of kick off. It's a new year podcast. It's going to be a really cheesy traditional night. Um, and uh, But I'm looking forward to it. So we are taking a couple weeks off. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Have a great rest of your evening, and we hope to see you Sunday. Can't wait. Have a great week. See you guys and gals.